welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one audio source for Harry Potter news, theories, discussion, as well as info straight from the makers of the books and films themselves, like me, Matt Lewis. I play Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films, and I'm very happy to be here helping introduce your hosts, the Pottercast trio, Melissa, John, and Sue. Thanks, Matt. Good to have you back. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of bored of hearing me now. When are you going to get dollish on the show? It'll be so much more interesting. Oh, Matt, you know we've been trying to get dollars for months now. Yeah, Matt, you've been doing a great job. Everybody loves it when you start the show. Yeah, and Kimmy just said a pack of the L's over to the green room to stock it up with all the tea and cream you can drink. Cream in tea? Are you mad? Okay, okay, fine. We'll get it straightened out. But we have to get on the rest of the show, dude. All right. So, it's Pottercast 59. Welcome. This is Pottercast. You're Yay! Harry Potter news, theories, all that stuff. No more Broadway folks. We're back to our regular old... Pottercast format, which really Aww. doesn't I'm so we don't really bored. have a Pottercast format. It's sort of whatever I mean, we want. Yeah. It is, Last it week it was Broadway we Folks. Want. This week we have our regular, well, it's kind of conundrums and a mailbag. This yeah. week we have a fan interview with Kimmy Blair. Talk to our fan Jillian, who talks mm-hmm. all about fight or flight and violence in the Harry Potter books. Yes. Our mailbag, God, you guys hit a wide range of discussion topics we in this week. Did. Yes, we did. We have about adults who are art teachers at Hogwarts. We have whether married women have have, have jobs in the Harry Potter world. Whether Petunia gave Vernon a love potion. And Ooh. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. Voldemort's pajamas. I cannot wait to talk about those things coming up here in the mailbag. Yeah, okay, anyway, and in the canon conundrum we have all about how we think Hagrid was able to find Harry after October 31st, 1981 occurred. If you don't know what would happen on that day, then you should go read your books instead of listening to this podcast and come back. But before we do anything else, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's Pottercast is brought to you by Borders, your home for all sorts of spellbinding books, enchanting music, and magical movies. Pottercast listeners can enjoy 30% off any item at Borders by clicking the Borders coupon link at pottercast.com. Visit borderstores.com to locate the Borders nearest you. You know, I bought a book. You did. Really? This week, it's shocking news. I went and bought ten books. books. I did too, actually. Did you use it for the lemony snicket? I too? did, as a matter of fact. Yes, my my son Not and I went. On. Yep, used it. I can't wait. Don't oh. say it. Don't spoil me. You hear that, Pottercast listeners? I hear you spoiling me. Don't do it. I'll. I'll you mm. think I'm mad when you when you don't capitalize the C in Pottercast? Wait. Yeah. If you spoil lemony snicket for me. Yeah. That's I actually bought the most recent novel from Hilary Duff. She's gotten into the young adult publishing arena. It's, they're very interesting reads. They're only about okay. 60 pages or so. Actually, do you know what I did? I did read while we were at Borders in L.A. I picked That's up. True. I picked up the Paris Hilton Confessions of an Heiress. No way. Yeah. I mean, the book is a parody of itself. It is the, the most ludicrous thing you've ever seen in your life. Does she write it? it? She actually says, when you're a billionaire, it's helpful to have billionaire friends. They help get you into the cool Oh, my part. God. Can you get a <laughs> refund? so bad. Can you get a refund? I didn't, I didn't buy it. You think I bought that? Are you kidding me? I flipped through it at Borders. I buy that. Give her money. Oh okay. Sure. Well, if you did buy it, you could use the Pottercast code to get it for... You're 30% off. 30% off. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we have some announcements this week. Vote for us at Podcast Alley. We haven't said it in a while. 
Um, at last check, we're, you guys have been. We're doing pretty good over there, over at Podcast Alley. That's very nice. We have a little challenge for you guys. Some big, exciting news in the podcast world this week. And, but, we, but we haven't been able to see it for ourselves, so we're, we're depending on yes. you. We are, we are dependent upon you. Yes. Podcast has been featured by Apple in its retail stores and in all its third-party stores in a bunch of countries. I don't even know what they are. I know it's the U.S. and the U.K. and Canada and Korea and Japan. And I don't Whoa. know. Wait, anyway, the, the wh- Apple? The Apple, the big Apple, wow. not New York. Apple, they're doing this new display wherever you sell, wherever they sell iPods. So that's at their retail stores and also at like like their third-party outlets such as Best Buy, Target. You know, wherever iPods are sold, they're rolling out this video display or this whatever display and they're in, they included podcast they asked us for high-res album art and they might be playing a clip of the show wow yeah the thing is it's sort of mysterious they said it they thought it was starting this week not sure guys go out to your best buys with your cameras go out to your apple stores with your cameras we want pictures we want yeah. pictures of podcast being displayed or video um, video but this is a clip or playing, video you know, in the store yeah. I want to see us in the official iPod arena. I'm actually kind of stunned yes. by this news, actually. I mean, that's just, whoa. I mean, yeah, when we got the email, I was just like, well, we got this email that was like, well, do you mind? Could could we have some of your art? Do you, Can we just get, like, your permission? I was like, no, please don't include me in the official <laughs> Apple yeah. Potter display. Please yeah. don't include our podcast. That's, why would you ever ask me such yeah. a thing? Exactly. <laughs> When really what happened was here, here, here's the art. Do you want? Do you want a clip? Do you want me to package a clip? Do you want me to make you a special clip? Do you want me to like put anything special in the art? Do you want me to put an Apple computer in the artwork to advertise it? Yeah, that's what that's what happened. Lame, really? <laughs> Not really, but wow. <laughs> you know, it was somewhere in between the two. It's just, I mean, that's really cool. So, so we, we want it. them to go to the go to the display itself and take a photo with it. Yeah, that would be cool. I think that'd be cool. Special points if you're wearing a podcast T-shirt and you're standing next to it, and you take a picture. Ooh, of it. Wow, yeah. that'd be way cool. I want and it. I want the army to go out in force and 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 get us some pictures. Come on, guys, take a trip. Even even more points if you can get someone who works at that store to pose in the picture with you. Mm-hmm. Even more. And take points. pictures of yourself going to all the computers and subscribing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And even more points to stand on your head. If you stand on your head, <laughs> no, picture, even more points. <laughs> okay, well that that's awesome, and, and I can't wait to see if, yeah. it, if it turns up. This stuff sometimes gets delayed, so what might have been this week may get pushed off to next week, or you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and I, I've told the guys at Apple that that we're doing this, that we're having our, our listeners go out and, and find it. So get an iPod oh, while you're you- there. Make Apple happy. Well, if you, if you get there and you don't see our display, ask the people, where's the where's the podcast display? We've been waiting. We came here to see it. You know, we're already on Apple.com. We keep getting emails about it. We've been on there since they have, since they put out their Nano. Right. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah, there's a little, there's a little, it goes through an animation and it cycles through podcasts. And in the list of podcasts that's on the Nano is podcast. Oh, isn't that the darndest thing? Very cool. Cool. All right. Anyway, um... We have another, another. We have so much stuff for you guys to do this week. We have a new segment where where we're having you call us at a certain time at seven o'clock on Friday night, which we're going to change. It's just Friday for right now. Yes. We understand that seven o'clock on Friday night is bad for people who are Jewish. We apologize. We will fix that. People but have for social this week, lives or have religion, John. That too. Well, mostly, I think a lot of people were just out. All right, so let's make it Thursday. Okay. There you go. It's been changed. Thursday night at 7 p.m. Yes. 
Somebody will be on the Pottercast hotline. You call in, best conversation gets gets aired on the show. Yeah. All right, so anyway, you can Skype us at username Pottercast or call us at 702-42-LEAKY. That's yes. 702-425-3259. Or if you're in the UK and would like a UK number, it's 0207-193-2872. Or you can, I don't know, do a seance and summon John Noe. <laughs> Talk to him that way. Ooh, Ooh serious to go. Hey, it's that time of the year coming up, you know. And then a reminder, Ooh. at the end of the show, you hear what the challenge is for this week's blog challenge and our newest winner. So there. I think that's it, finally, with all our announcements. It's a lot of announcements for the beginning of the show. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But I think they're all sort of really important and should be at the beginning of the show. Well, speaking of things that are really important, it shouldn't be in the beginning of the show. We have something... That was so awesome, so spectacular, that it was shoved aside to an even more special folder to be added into the show last week. And it was just so special that it somehow got lost in the, in the mix of things in the editing. And we decided, what better episode to air it than the week after the Broadway Felix show? John promised our lovely elves who transcribe everything in our awesome that he would play their Filk their special filk on our show and then he forgot well it wasn't even that and now the they're all protesting they're, they're spelling Pottercats with a lowercase c they're cursing yeah. John's name it was good enough to be played without even the special favor you better not eat any custard creams they might be spiked I know we'll see we, we had a special spot we were going to put it in the show and then somehow in the mix of things it just we forgot to put it in I don't know how it happened but um, we feel dreadful about it every single last one of us and um, we will air it for you just after we get to the news okay so not that much to discuss in the news this week but let's let's uh why don't we get to get to it right now and then we'll talk about it good plan Sue. well we certainly do have some happy news for potter fans mark your calendars now everyone for friday november 17th as warner brothers has announced the long-awaited teaser trailer for harry potter and the order of the phoenix will be shown in theaters before the movie Happy Feet. At this time, we do not believe there are plans to debut the trailer online before it is shown in the movie theaters, and we will update with more on that when we can. But it is very exciting news for all of us, and again, the date is Friday, November 17th. Another film news now, actor Rupert Grint, who plays Ron Reasley, of course, was here in the States for the premiere of his new movie, Driving Lessons, and he gave many interviews where he spoke about the upcoming Order of the Phoenix movie. He noted that filming is almost finished on the fifth film, and then he stated that they had filmed the Thestral scenes recently, and it was his favorite scene so far. He said to record the scene where you have to fly on the invisible horses, they, quote, put you on this crane and lifted you up into the air, end quote. Cool. Also, the New York Times has ran a piece now detailing some of the fantastic computer technology that will be used in the creation of Hagrid's giant brother, Grop, for the Order of the Phoenix movie, which allows a much more advanced process of letting live actors animate virtual creatures. You can read more about this fascinating technology and see video of this very cool process in action via links on our website. In other actor news now, Dan Ratcliffe will be featured in a new exhibit at the National Portrait Gallery in London, which features photos of inspiring young Britons under the age of 21. This exhibit will be open to the public and begins on October 30th. We also had an update on Dan's play Equus, which is going into rehearsals now on January 3rd. Previews are slated to begin on February 16th of next year, which opening night begins a few weeks later on the 27th. We'll have a 16-week run at the Gilgood Theatre in London, and we will update more with ticket information when that becomes available. 
Turning to book news now, a plaque has been installed at the old Nicholson's Cafe in Edinburgh, where author J.K. Rowling famously wrote the first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Finally, some new artwork from artist Mary Grand Prey has appeared on the box set of Harry's school books. This artwork for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is a... a troll. <laughs> you can see this photo of this new artwork in our galleries. As always, you can find the most accurate and up-to-date Harry Potter news and information by clicking on leakynews.com, which is updated daily. And now, let's get back to the show. Guys? Lots of news, Susie. Well, the big one, though, at least we have a date now. A little happy, happy date for happy people to go see their Potter trailer. I want a date. Do you know what that means, John? (laughs) I I could think I want a date. You and me have an all-night date. Ooh! Making the freaking shot-by-shot. Woo-hoo! Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't sound nearly as fun. Shot by shot. That we do with every oh. trailer. Yeah, I love doing that. I have fun doing that. I like it. Yeah, that's right. Sue, you, Sue pulls the quotes. Yeah. John makes the screen grabs. And I stand over people and yell. <laughs> I remember uh, for the Prisoner of Azkaban shot by shot. The nightmare. I, I was sitting up. We were sitting up all damn night. And I just, we just moved into a new house. We just finally got internet into it. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> I could be out, you know, on the lake. Nope, I was in there doing shot by shot. No, I think this was for Goblet of Fire. Was, was it Goblet yeah. of Fire? Maybe, maybe yeah, it was. It was because it was last year and I was away. I was upstate right. and I had just come back from a, an event. Yeah. I had won a journalism award and I went and I, and I had um, come back from an event at 2 o'clock in the morning and you and I did the shot by shot all night long. Yes. Anyway, for you, those who don't know, our shot-by-shot shot is when we take the, the screen grabs from a trailer and compare it to the the, the actual text from the books. Mm-hmm. World it's been famous. a leaky tradition for X many years, yeah, yeah and so, so we Not must do it. It's just anywhere a necessity. Else. Mm-hmm. Not seen anywhere else, and everybody links to it and doesn't steal it. Note to all you they new do? fan sites out there since the last shot-by-shot. Shot. They do? Really? We don't That's steal the shot-by-shot. No, the shot by shot. I've is never seen it stolen. No one steals that. No, it's true. I haven't seen it stolen because they respect that it's work. It's a whole night of work. It takes a long darn time. It does take a long time. Right. At least now we have probably the better technology. We have the technology for the shot by shot. Yeah, I hope this will be the six million dollar shot by shot, man. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm excited though because I, I would, you know, it's going to be in front of Happy Feet, which is a cute little penguin movie. So I think. No. I am so excited to see that darn movie. I, me too. The music is awesome. I mean, it's just... It cracks me up. It's just adorable, too. It's awesome. Oh, and the, all the talent they have in there for the voices. I yeah. love Robin Williams. I think he's the funniest darn thing. Yeah, he, he is. is. He's a genius, man. I mean, he's just... Yeah. I wonder I wonder what the outtakes on his stuff are. Just, just must be hilarious. Oh, just ridiculous. <laughs> Every other thing out of his mouth is an outtake. I know. Great. Oh man. Well, okay. Well, there's not that's really guys, there's really well, not that much to really discuss. The only yeah. piece of news I found really interesting mm-hmm. was the thing from Dan Daniel Handler. Yes, that was very nice. And Well, Daniel he just Handler, published his yes. last book in his thirteen book series. Yeah. A series of unfortunate events. And um so you've read it. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna say anything about oh. it because I'm not gonna spoil it for those who have not named it. Series of unfortunate box office returns. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Did that get picked up for a... Tr- for a tr- stop, stop. I don't think I, so. I really don't. Yeah. But I could be wrong. That was Star by anyway. Jim Carrey, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Anyway. That's what you um, get. What was really interesting about this is hearing... I'm sort of watching this phenomenon because I, I realized today it do, works. Somebody do, said to do, me, do, do. 
Banana. They said, um, <laughs> they said, oh, Melissa, that children's book is done, you know, because Melissa's now a children's book person. That children's book is out today. And I said, what? Series of Unfortunate Events? Oh my gosh, that's right. It's, it's Friday the 13th and, and mm-hmm. that's right. It's done. And I sort of thought about the average Harry Potter fan who doesn't watch all this. Walking by a bookstore one day and being like, oh, right, that Harry Potter book is out today. After we've gone through six months of our, the craziest months of our lives, right. I can't even imagine somebody else just looking at the store and being like, oh, that's out today. Okay. Now, why don't oh. I go buy that? Yeah. It's such a... It's weird. That's what we're heading up on. Yeah. Maybe I'd buy it as like an impulse buy, like like a checkout line at a grocery store if it was just sitting there near the gum. Be like, oh, well, maybe I'll buy that little book. <laughs> I haven't read a single one of those books yet, though. Oh, they're good. They're fun. Well, Are they fun? Yeah. You know, it was funny, though, because he had he he was talking that he had never actually met Joe. You know, it's like you must assume that all famous authors just, like, hang out together. <laughs> they, you have know? A, they have, like, <laughs> hangout <laughs> times. Yeah. I have, like, a convention every year. Yeah. <laughs> a little secret Everybody convention somewhere the in the Everybody wears tags else. around their necks. Yeah. <laughs> imagine Joe with a big name tag that says, Joe. Tama Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As if people need to name the name tag for her. No. She should walk anyway. around with a tiara and everybody knows who she is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's going to go. He said he'd like to grab her and we would run out of the hall and get into a London taxi and go to a pub and have four rounds of drinks. I thought that was. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> every guy's dream. Okay. It's for another podcast, too. Yeah. Can we move yeah. on? Oh. There are some more RAB rumors, right, Sue? No, yeah, but. You know, guys. It's regular black. Come on, yeah. REB is regular black. It's been it's been said in a million different ways. I don't ways. think it is. Oh, oh right, God. John. Okay, you wouldn't. <laughs> I think it's Rubius Hagrid black. Okay. <laughs> RHB. How did you get Hagrid out of? <laughs> well, it was a typo. Oh, I see. He has bad handwriting. It's Agrid. It's with the, the A's, accent. Agrid. A's can look like H's. A's look like H's when the things aren't at the top. Out they're not connected. Uh-huh. Rubius Haggard Black. It could absolutely accent. be R- Rubius Haggard Black. Okay, well, on that note, can we please go to the elves, Phil? Because <laughs> I can't wait to hear it again. I've heard it about ten times so far. I know it's on your iPod. It's on your it's when on you your when you go list. to my iTunes and you go to the play count and you organize by play count. Right above all the ABBA music is the elves, Phil. Excellent. Right now I don't top. know if you just insult elves rock. Or not. I love the elves. John, you're just digging yourself deeper. I know, I'm worthless. Alright, let's play the oh, song. Let's move on. This is Stamp Scale from the Transcription Elf Office Alliance. I'd like to introduce my fellow elves Kimmy Blair, Eponine 244, Flipendo, and Melody Wen, who are going to be singing a little ditty from that popular musical about the lovable orphan. You know, the dark haired one with the lightning bolt scar? Here they are singing It's a Dark Mark Life from the musical Harry, with performances at the Hogsmeade Auditorium, now through the end of the year. Take it away, ladies. It's a dark mark life for us. It's a dark mark life for us. Just escaped from Azkaban. Time to torture, that's the plan. It's a dark mark life. It's the Dark Lord's bidding we do. Rid the world of muggles too. Filthy blood traitors. Crucio, my blood wizards. Got to go. It's a dark mark life. When the Dark Lord wants something accomplished, you're the Death Eater to do the task. You take out. 
you get ready. In the dark woods, glory you shall bask. Who else can make your nightmares creepy? Who else can keep you up at night? Who else comes lurking in the shadows? We'll get you in the end, so don't fight. Ah. Always killing life. It's a thrilling life. Full of power life. Power for your life. Avada Kedavra's the spell we choose. Avada Kedavra, with that, you'll never lose. Just escaped from us. Dark marks shining over every muggle house in town. <laughs> the dark lords demand we please, and we do it with great ease. Bring the muggles to their knees. Our pleasure, Lord Voldemort. It's a dark mark life for us. Just escaped from us, Cuban. Time to torture, that's the plan. It's a dark mark life, it's a dark mark life. It's a dark mark life. We love you, Lord Voldemort. In the fan corner, a one-on-one -on -one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Not me, not Hermione, you. Hello, this is Kimberly Blair, otherwise known as Kimmy Blair throughout the forums, and I am here today with Jillian S642, a member here in the Leaky Lounge, and we are here today to talk about fight or flight violence in the Harry Potter books. Hello, and how are you doing today, Jillian? Not too shabby. Good to hear. As I mentioned, our topic here today is violence in the Harry Potter books, and so just to start off, do you believe the series is excessively violent? I personally don't think it's excessively violent. I think it has gotten that reputation from, you know, certain people who've probably not read the entire book. I will grant you that it is violent. Like there's a lot of violent actions within uh, the series and violent events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For instance, the book, the first book we see starts off with a double murder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's definitely an example of violence there. So Yeah, but of course, you know, there's different types and different degrees of violence mm -hmm. from murders and everything all the way down to just the mental games people play with each other. Physical violence that happens, emotional violence, just aggressive actions that uh, happen from one character to another and uh, events like that. There's also... Of course, accidental violence, like blowing up Aunt March, which I kind of appreciated, but it's accidental, <laughs> rather violent, but accidental, mm -hmm. versus intentional violence, like pretty much anything Lord Voldemort's ever done. Basically, do you think that J.K.R. puts violence in there for the sake of putting violence, or is there like a purpose, like this is, this Cedric dies and we see death for another reason? It Basically, it's, it's a plot device. It's... Mm -hmm. It's there for a reason. There isn't violence, generally speaking, that isn't there for a reason. Just like there mm -hmm. isn't much of anything in these books that isn't there for a reason. Yes, every small detail. Except for maybe the socks. I hear that might just be a red herring, but I'll <laughs> wait until book seven comes out to stand behind that one. Uh, in the meantime, you know, some of the purposes for violence would include 
of course, entertaining the reader. Action sequences keep mm-hmm. the story going and it keeps it flowing. And who doesn't want to see Harry fight a dragon? You know, it's, it's exciting. And of course, most of these action sequences have some form of violence to them. People getting hit by bludgers, fighting the Death Eaters in the Ministry of Magic. It is all very entertaining. But at the same time, it isn't there just to entertain, mm-hmm. generally. Stuff like Cedric's death is preparing the reader. The ultimate overarching arc of the story is that Harry's going to be fighting, you know, Lord Voldemort. Mm-hmm. If you weren't building up these little violent actions throughout the whole series, then it wouldn't be plausible. Why would he be able to do this? To kind of get to the end and, you know, he kills someone and you're like, wait, how did, what, what? Yeah. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh my God, now somebody's dying. Ah, So uh, not a good yeah. thing. So no. And well, of course there were violent acts in the plot line that occurred, say, before the first book, like, you know, his parents dying. Even there, all of these violent acts that Lord Voldemort did before Harry Potter was even born were still introduced to them and they're getting more and more violent as you go through the series. So it's not mm-hmm. like even you're starting out with book one and it's so horribly, horribly, horribly violent and you're getting all these details right off the bat. And I think, again, this is preparing the reader. It's also following Harry as he grows up. We get to grow up with him and you deal with more of these adult issues as you grow up. Now, one of them, I know it's one of your favorite parts and one of mine is when it's kind of early on in the series and ex- a small example of violence. We see Hermione slap Draco. It's kind of something that kind of has coming for, for those of you who aren't Draco lovers, but yeah. something that we kind of feel he has coming. Why? How do you think it really is that she's kind of able to get away with this? You know, she doesn't get in any trouble for it. And I think there are a couple reasons. And I think there's a couple of reasons why, of course, Hermione does this as opposed to Ron. And, yeah. Uh, you know, granted, of course, she, she's stressed and very busy. So there's that sort of background, personal background. More importantly, I think she's kind of getting away with it because Draco could never admit that she had done that to him. That, you know, yeah. she's basically muggle dueling and it beat him. I mean, he has a wand. He didn't pull it out. He ran away. So that says something. And uh, as a girl, he can't tell on her probably because it's a girl that did it as opposed to one of the boys. Um, She's a mudblood. So she should be sorry for the rude words. (laughs) So she shouldn't be able to defeat him. Yeah. I also think it's interesting because it says something. Her her reaction in this sort of extreme way, I think, also sort of says something to the overprogramming of kids that can happen. I mean, she was way overprogrammed. She took on way too much. And that sort of stress and tension just builds up and builds up and builds up until it comes out into something like that. Now, I think one of the interesting points you talk about is when, you know, Draco was built by, was beat by muggle dueling. We see often he relies on his parents a lot. Like when Buckbeak attacks him, he writes, you know, dad, Hagrid's animal beat me. Oh my God, get him, get him killed, you know. I think it would be interesting if Draco wrote home, dear mom and dad, one of the mudbud girls slapped me in the face. Do something like that's just embarrassing <laughs> yeah. for him. I mean, yeah. his parents are like, oh, my God, come on. Exactly. Exactly. You couldn't even do anything against her. And yeah, yeah, basically. And I mean, there's another interesting reason why Hermione should sort of potentially morally get away with this is that he's doing something that's rather mean and self-centered and yeah. basically gloating over how he's defeated Buckbeak, who's, you know, a creature, not even a fully sentient in a lot of ways. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he can't defend himself. Yeah. Whereas 
Hermione's there defending Hagrid and Hagrid's honor. So she's not even just hitting him because, as they say in the movie, that felt good. You know, I don't remember mm. if that's in the book or not, but yeah. it's it's also that she's defending Hagrid. And so that makes it a little bit more acceptable of an action, I think. Now, um, you mentioned that J.K.R., she doesn't use violence gratuitously. There often are points to it. Do you think sort of some of the violence relates to the bravery and cowardice that we see in the books? Yeah, I think so. It's not, um, there isn't a clear cut relationship between violent acts and, you know, showing bravery, like standing up to a bully or whatever. But uh, I do have a couple of general observations. Mm-hmm. Um I think a couple of characters are basically using violence or threats of violence to hide their cowardice. Like Vernon Dursley, he feared magic and he tried to beat it out of Harry. When he couldn't beat it out of it, he still, you know, basically tried to keep intimidating Harry as best he could. Then there's like Dolores Umbridge, another person who I think is cowardice and basically using violence to hide because she uses this like super excessively heavy hand when she's dealing with discipline issues in her own classroom. Uh-huh. None of the other teachers need to resort to these sorts of detentions. Even Snape's detentions aren't that bad. So why does she need to do that? And uh, well, you might not be able to say that she's technically afraid of the children. I think her whole inability to admit when she's wrong basically demonstrates a very deep cowardice and And then on the other hand, there are instances where violence or threats of violence demonstrate bravery, like um, Neville standing up to the trio in Philosopher's Stone, you know, saying that, hey, come on, you guys shouldn't stop there. I always, I loved that line, Dumbledore afterwards. I'm sure everyone knows about that, so I don't have to keep telling that story. So, So there are, you know, different things. Pretty much most of the times that Harry's violent, he's showing some form of bravery at the time, standing up to something that's bigger, stronger than him. You mentioned that one of the times where Harry's braver, he's kind of preventing a violent act from happening to another person. Yeah. Can you give some examples of when that happens in the book? I think one of the better examples would be when he stands up to his godfather and a teacher, of course, Lupin, and basically doesn't let Sirius and Lupin kill Peter Pettigrew. I mean, they're fully grown wizards that people wizards that although he doesn't know Sirius that well he seems to be already pretty much looking up to mm-hmm. but he keeps them from doing what they want to stands you know and protects Peter and that takes some bravery to stand up to adults that you respect and that you like like that yeah I think that's um, that's a huge huge I know that if I was his age I don't know if I'd be able to do that so the fact that yeah like it's, a, able to do it's, that. it's like standing up to even more than your yeah. parents, depending on what your relationship with your parents is. But these are people that you know and respect, but you don't know them that well. So maybe you don't feel comfortable normally standing up to them. I think that was pretty huge. I mean, of course, there were logical and moral reasons for standing up to them, like, you know, preventing Sirius uh-huh. from going back to jail and trying to prove his innocence. It still takes bravery and some, like, basically strength of mind, even just to realize that this could be an important thing to do that no, you can't kill him. Now, one of, one of the last sorts of questions um, relates to morals and the violence. Uh, what sort of morals are presented to the reader in the various incidents of violence? And are these mor- morals often they complicated or simple? Or I would say that most of the morals are complicated. 
But um, of course, not every instance of violence is there to tell a moral, like Bellatrix killing the fox when they show up in, uh, oh, where's that? Spinner's End. Yeah, that's where it is. Thanks. Totally blank there. Um, that's <laughs> that's senseless and evil. It's, yeah. I mean, in a way, it, it helps build her character, but it's not really teaching you a moral because there wasn't enough of a story around it. Mm-hmm. That said, most, I think, a majority of the violent acts do have some sort of morals to them. Um, some of them are simple, maybe a bit hidden, like patience is a virtue. This is something Harry has difficulties with, and he works hard, but he's not good at patience. And sort of the violent actions here are relating to him and Snape working on legitimacy, occlumency, whichever it was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's experiencing more violence because he can't be patient and calm and centered Maybe and can't master you know, the occlumency. Yeah, exactly. Also, you know, another huge moral throughout this is how important the reason behind your actions are. You know, if it's a just mm-hmm. cause, then you're more likely to succeed within the series. You're less likely to get killed doing something. That's that sort of thing. You know, the purpose behind a cause is important. So, you know, not doing things just for your own ends. And then most accidents are generally forgiven. And that's, again, a, in a way, a simple moral because you can't always deal. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. accidents yeah. happen, essentially. Yeah. And uh, it's easier to forgive these sorts of things if it happened to an evil character like Aunt Marge, or mm-hmm. if the person regrets it, like Harry regretted using Sectum Sempra against yeah. Draco because he had no idea what it was going to do. And of course, there's complicated moral issues mm-hmm. as well, moral lessons. You can be a very violent person, but not a Death Eater, like Dolores Umbridge. And... Mm-hmm. Presumably Snape, who's a very violent character and theoretically not a Death Eater. But that's for another discussion. Yeah, exactly. So we'll just stop that there. (laughs) There's also a lack of violent action. Like pacifism isn't necessarily good. Mm -hmm. That's a complicated moral issue because, I mean, so many people just say, oh, if there's a fight, you should just walk away, just walk away. And in a lot of cases, that makes sense. But clearly fudge just basically ignoring this fight, this mm-hmm. issue of Lord Voldemort being around yeah. isn't a good idea. And yeah, so that's sort of the lesson that you're being taught is you can't just deny problems exist. And anytime where non-humans are involved, it seems that the moral lesson gets a bit more complicated that, uh, you know, actions of a werewolf, mm-hmm. even just the reputation that giants and half giants have versus the reality, all of these sort of complicate the morals of the situation of whether they you should or should not be acting. And then sort of the final sort of complication and the most major complication is the mortality factor. Mm -hmm. If someone or something dies, then the whole appropriateness of the violence and the role of the violence within the grand scheme of the story sort of seems to be reset. Mm -hmm. Basically. I think the whole scale is just reset. It's more serious, that sort of thing. Well, I think that those are a lot of great observations about how Joe uses violence in the books to sort of tell a story. So, and something that she's been very, very successful with through the first six books. And I'm assuming being that the last book, being the final book of the series, will the chances of it being more violent are pretty good. But yeah, very good. <laughs> really, especially it's, knowing it's, that Harry basically has to kill or be killed. So, 
Yeah. So, uh, but those are great observations. Are you ready now for our live or die? Do I have to? <laughs> Sorry. We'll okay. Be, okay. We'll I'll be, be brave. I'll be brave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, starting off with Neville. Oh, Neville better live because I really like him. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> How about Luna? I think she'd probably live. Mm-hmm. She does have to be even more of a factor than she has been. Not that she hasn't been completely a non-character or anything, but she's going to become more important. So that does put her at more of a risk. Mm-hmm. I don't see the problem is I can't see why she would die. What purpose it would serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without a purpose, there is no action in this <laughs> lovely world. <laughs> so. We just discussed this. Yes. Anyway, um, next, um, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, these are really hard. Sorry. I think she'll live. I don't mm-hmm. have quite as much hope for Mr. Weasley. Aw. Yeah. I, I hope he does, so. How about Harry? I think he's going to die. I really want him to live. Aw. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, I just based on things that uh, JKR said about, you know, not wanting other people to write in the series. Well, the best way to do that is to oh. kill your main character. <sighs> But I really like him, and I'd love to read more about him, hopefully. Now, if you think Harry is dying, do you think Voldemort is living or dying? Or I think they're both going to die. I think that's going to be Harry's ultimate sacrifice. He does mm-hmm. have a hero complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and although the justice of his cause is good, and therefore he should you know, be able to win without having to kill himself, I mm-hmm. think it's... One of those things, he's going to be, it's going to be him, Lord Voldemort, and uh, a lovely duel to the death. And often, I think, probably both wizards can die doing that. So, mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for it's joining very us. very depressing. <laughs> yeah, now that we're all depressed, we're, gonna, we're all going to go now. Yes, and, and I mean, I do want to add just one quick thing to say um, that if Harry does die, or if that's the plan, you know... Mm-hmm our lovely dear author might want to rethink it because she might just have riots on her hands. You know, it's not a good idea. I can imagine. I can see that. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums featuring special guest Steve Vanderark from the Harry Potter lexicon. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? It's that time again for canon conundrums. It's canon conundrums for 59. That's how we label them now, anyway. Uh, This canon conundrums. The question is, how did Hagrid find Harry in the remains of his parents' house in Godric's Hollow when Hagrid wasn't told by the secret keeper where it was? Well, we don't know if Hagrid was told by the secret keeper. Well, you know, and that's the first thing that occurred to me is I thought, well, maybe you could just flip it around and say that since Hagrid found it, he must, he must have been have told been. by yeah. the secret mm-hmm. keeper, right? So how you know, was he told I was, by the secret keeper? If I was trying to protect my family and my, you know, baby, the first person I would put in the loop is, you know, the yeah, gameskeeper. Yeah, yeah. Keeper oh, I shouldn't have said that. that shouldn't guy. have said that, yeah. That's yeah. Pretty much. But on the other <laughs> exactly. hand, if, you, if you're going to have somebody know where you are to come and defend you if necessary, Hagrid would yeah. not be a bad choice. Oh, oh, sure. I'm sorry. I just got a theory out of nowhere. Um, Pettigrew... Is still yeah. alive right. and ostensibly to everybody still a good guy. So what if after the attack, Dumbledore came to him and said, you know, knowing that he's a secret keeper, said, tell me where they are. I have to go get Harry. Tell Hagrid where they are. I have to go get Harry. Right. 
and right. that was it. Well, that makes sense. Well, no. I don't want it to make sense. <clears throat> but, you know, that, that, that does, but what that brings up right away is this whole question of who knew what, who was doing what. You know, we've talked about this before in Canon Conundrums, but it's just very, it just doesn't seem to all fit. You know, you have to almost invent these, these, some, these strange happenings in order to make everything make sense. Well, now, we, we know that that couldn't have happened because Dumbledore had to be, you know, told in Prisoner of Azkaban that it was Pettigrew who did all these things and not Sirius Black. Oh, right, Black, Dumbledore didn't so know that Pettigrew was Pettigrew the... Oh, right. right, he didn't right. know that Pettigrew was a secret keeper right, and he still thought right. it, was, it was serious. Exactly. Ah, oh, okay, so now we're back to... Oh, okay, well, there was your great theory shot. Well, well, I, I liked it, it though. came out of nowhere, so... But that is why we have... That's why we have yeah, me around. To let everybody know about the canon. Just, you know, be right. the canon right. control. So, so, so <laughs> let's, let, let's get into this here. So, okay. The, these th- okay. Voldemort goes to Godric's Hollow. James is right. killed. Right. Then the, the thing happens with Lily. Voldemort is reduced to rubble. Mm-hmm. The house, mm-hmm. we learn, is in rubble. What happens? Right. It's just what rubble. happens? This is this Barney rubble. Is, my question: What the when Joe says that only the secret keeper they they perform the charm, but only the secret keeper can reveal the place. But what happens if that charm is on on the house? But if that house is ruined and in mm-hmm. rubbles, would it exactly. not in the house anymore? You know, that's yeah. a really good point. A hundred percent. So right. I was thinking that a little bit along the same line earlier. So exactly. so the house is destroyed and the charm is is broken basically. So you're yeah. saying then logically that Dumbledore and then Hagrid knew that it was Godric's Hollow, yeah, which is a mu- you know a village, uh-huh. but they didn't know the exact location yeah. in that Muggle village. Couldn't have well, been hard to find the house that was destroyed. Well, we assume that they might know. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, right, but I mean, what I'm saying is they before, didn't know the location. But when there was a big attack or whatever, you go to Godric's Hollow and there's there's one place of destruction, and that's you know they're gonna they're gonna figure it's the house. Right. I I was saying that that before the destruction happened, while well, the secret you know, the, mm-hmm. it was still in place, then, as they said, Voldemort could have gone to Godric's Hollow, could have wandered around Godric's Hollow, right. looked all over the place, and would never right. have well, seen I it. I mean, isn't, but isn't didn't right. somewhere along the way that, didn't Joe say that there's traces of magic, even like, it, you would think that this is dark magic, that they would leave some sort of trace that someone like Dumbledore could have sensed that or perceived that this sort of thing had happened if he hmm. didn't know quite the, the exact location. Say the house would but Yeah, you look at yeah. what he did in the cave. He, he could yeah, sense magic. I would think that it's in the nature mm-hmm. of the Fidelia's charm that to combat that. Like if he, Dumbledore was walking around Godric's Hall, it would be a pretty weak charm. Mm-hmm. If anybody of Dumbledore's strength could sense that there was a hidden ma- I It feels like the na- magic, well, but magic whose nature it is to hide like Voldemort. something seems like it would be immune from that. Because, right, Voldemort will be able mm-hmm. to do the same yeah. thing, you know? That's true. I would guess Dumbledore yeah. would know where the Potters lived just because of... The, you know, what we know, I mean, it's How called you know Godric's Hollow. There? It's got to be, they have to have lived there for a reason. Yeah. Right. I, I, was, I was not necessarily assuming that they, right. that that was their place of origin. Because, I mean, then the Fidelia's charm is just giving you a way to hide in your own house. And everybody would sort of figure they were at their own house, but not be able to tell. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know it is a house, though. It's not like a okay, some fortress. Oh, no, or no way. I, I never thought it was their own house. So, I thought that was like like a... Uh, a, a sort of a, a wizarding yeah. safe house, you might say. And now, but here's my question about Perhaps. that: is you know when when they go to Grimmauld Place and they Harry hears the location mm-hmm. of the house and it sort of squeezes itself out, is that the effect of the Fidelis charm? 
that once you know, it sort of appears? I mean, or, or, mm. or if you would go to Gadratala, would you have seen that house? You just wouldn't have realized that they were in it. But, but wasn't, like, wasn't Grimald Place, though, also an unplottable? Yeah. So I thought maybe that's why uh, it was also in like a, that. Well, that's just that just refers to maps. But it's so. also in a in a Muggle area, oh. whereas Godric's House is a wizarding village, yeah. so it's probably no need. No, it isn't. It's, it's, a, a, it's a Muggle village. village. Yeah. Where, where did it say that? There's only one wizarding village in all, Britain, one, and that's all Hogsmeade. wizarding village is Hogsmeade. But this could be this could be a right, healthy so it's, mix. It's it's a Muggle village. It's not a not a it's, wizarding. It's not a. Place. I mean, no. There could be wizards living there, but it's certainly not a wizarding right, it's place not, anymore. It's not than an all wizarding village. Hogsmeade's the only one. But if but if it's a it's one where there is a lot of magic, it's not like Muggle London. Uh, why do you say that? Because they, because Are there could be, that? and it's called Godric's Hollow, which sure, is which she could. has all but admitted means Godric Gryffindor. So I'm guessing there's a lot more magic there. I think it's a fairly educated guess that there's a lot more magic there than there is in Mo- Random Street on Muggle London. You know? Okay, I have another question for you. Tell the kind of... But say say this village is here, and this, this house, say, even if the charm didn't wear off, would would Voldemort cast the dark mark after he killed James? Does that happen automatically, or does he have I, to cast it? I think he has to cast it. I don't think well, he had yeah, time. Smart, uh, spell. He didn't have time, though, huh? Because I thought, well, that would be a big beacon in the sky, yeah. you know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty well, much. Was it, was it cast over the house <laughs> or not? I, I don't think it was, it was <laughs> Okay. Just, just a thought. If it was Did cast, it, Does it say then, in the first book? If it was cast, then we know no, but we somebody know else somebody was else there else with Voldemort. Well, ah, John, that's it. Someone else was there. Well, and see, that's how maybe that's another I'm, reason, I'm, though. I, I would... I'd I would, be like... Wouldn't that be... I'd make a... Yeah. That'd be so anticlimactic if, like, you just watched your boss get blown up and be like, well, I better put a sign up in the sky anyway. Just you're going through the motions now. No, but, yeah, so what happened 13 years and asks about it? Exactly. How come you didn't put up my green thing? Well, okay. You jerk, you know protocol. John. Um, okay, but so, okay, say, say though, it, what if Snape, and I just believe it's Snape, say that Snape was there. And he left. Is he not allowed to say, I saw these things happen? And he doesn't necessarily say that the potters are at this X place, but I saw that this, these events happen. Couldn't Dumbledore deduct then that, that knowing from that the potters are going into hiding, that that's how it could have, the information could have passed? I mean, I, I don't know. Yes, I, I think that's, that's possible. See, the whole thing is so hard to, to figure out the actual, if you get right down into the actual mechanics of it, you keep bumping yeah. into things which yeah. which don't seem you can't quite figure out how they would work. You know, example being exactly what you're saying. So, if somebody was, what if a muggle was walking past and they saw something yeah. happen, then could they talk about it? Does the Fidelius charm apply to muggles? You know? Well, so. yeah, I would think it does. Well, have we but have we the, thought about it's not, this? The secret isn't hiding what occurs there. The secret is where they are. So I would think a muggle could say, I saw such and such happen. They might trip over yeah. the name of the place. They might not be able to voice it. You know. So they couldn't mm. say the name of the house, for right. example. Right, like, you know, if my, the house is 13 right. Godric's Hollow Street. <laughs> yeah. what, well, what's that what's game like Pictionary? <laughs> Isn't that like where you let out When you do like charades? <laughs> okay, so you're exactly. saying Snape you big goes, back, <laughs> with a goes back to the Dark Lord. <laughs> yes. And the Dark Lord has to say, okay, exactly. three syllables. 
You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and you first up word a little, sounds you know, like serious. No, grim. Oh, grim. I mean, I can just see Voldemort jumping exactly. around playing charades, trying to guess. <laughs> totally. See, that's not breaking any rules. You know, because Snape, <laughs> Snape said to, to Bella and to Narcissa that you know that he cannot say that he cannot give the name of the place, and I think that it's pretty. Yeah pretty much you can assume that that also means he can't use some sort of rather you know parlor trick kind of way to just somehow give it away anyway that that's yeah. covered uh, that's you know it'd be really tricky. a bummer well, if they if, never thought if, like, about there that was like a, like, oh darn well, he can draw a picture have that well, image in my head charades with Voldemort and I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, there, there's your fan art challenge this week yeah. kids charades with Voldemort um uh, what if what if the place had like a nickname or something? I like, think the Fidelia like, charm's you know, a little stronger um, than that, John. The Weasley's yeah. house probably has an address, yeah. you know, but it's also called the Burrow. Yeah. Doesn't apply know, to yellow pages. I don't, think, like, I don't think they invented the Fidelia's charm for this particular situation, so I think they've had enough time to kind of work out the bugs, oh. you know. Oh, so sure. I, th- I think it's I think that we've got to work within the framework of what what we know about the charm, and yeah. you know I still go back to well maybe maybe Pettigrew did tell him, but no, oh no no no, no, about, no never mind no if, I, I, that doesn't work. What if uh, Hagrid plays both sides of the fence, and Wormtail told okay. Hagrid when Hagrid was wearing his Death Eater robes. And was in on the secret from the bad guy side of things. Yeah, okay then. And that's how we figured but, but it out. Do we, here's, here's another thing, and I, and I know a partial answer to this, in that, in things that Joe has said, there is one and only one secret keeper. But hmm. could you cast more than one Fidelius hmm. charm? And therefore you would have a second hmm. secret keeper and a secre- separate charm. And even if the first one you would never get it from, your second one could give it to you. So would it be possible that well, Voldemort, excuse me, uh, that Dumbledore, after realizing what had gone on and being unsure, decided to hedge his bets and found point? somebody else and said, you know, we're going to do this. Or maybe made Pettigrew do it. Mm-hmm. But maybe one wouldn't know about the other. I don't think that could work. Because right, well, and I, I keep saying this as if everybody knew it was Pettigrew and, and they didn't. One secret keeper. No, mm-hmm. you would yeah. only have to get past one. Yeah. Well, exactly. Again, it can't be no, easy, it's right? not, so it, if it you got past one secret keeper, you still have says, to get past the other. An immensely complex term. spell involving the magical concealment of a secret yeah, inside oh, a single no, you, you have living soul. You both secret keepers. Yeah. Well, it would just make it doubly impossible. Right. Right. What I was saying, Mel, was the possibility that they cast a second complete just, Fidelius charm and therefore a second secret keeper. But I think you're right. I think yeah, you can have. It's just it, it's just not the way she's describing it. <laughs> it would make it ridiculous, though. It would. And you have to think like, how much was she thinking about this when she wrote this first book? I, I well, really she went through she, draft she, after draft after draft. I'm, she must have put some effort into she's it. She's talking of, about of the, the the fallout from every complication of the entire series stems yeah. from this moment and she 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 has her whole final play out mm-hmm. stem from this. Mm-hmm. so yeah everything is important it's not that she it's not going to be that she sure. missed a detail you know right yeah. well i i you know i just i personally just think though that this this question of how they found it is going to be resolved a little bit more simply i think the to me in my mind just my personal opinion is that the more key is 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 that the 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 person that told Voldemort or how, how excuse me that told Dumbledore or how Dumbledore found out that information is is well, the but key point. Dumbledore can find some. it out. How does Hagrid find it out? Because mm. Dumbledore told no, him. No, Dumbledore. If Dumbledore's not the secret keeper, he can't. I think Sue I think, was okay, right. Okay, at the very no, beginning he can't. Of this That's the actual. Said that 
the charm was canceled when the house blew right. up. Right. That would make that right. would solve I'm, I'm, I'm really leaning that way. But then, then there's the next question of how did Dumbledore know that the charm was canceled and therefore sent Hagrid? Well, he could have shown up and seen them and been like, oh. So you think he apparated there, saw it, yeah. left the baby. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that maybe when Hagrid initially arrived, that maybe he maybe they didn't realize that Harry was still... Well, but why, would Harry, why would Hagrid even have gone? He would have had no way to find the house unless they knew the house was destroyed and therefore on our assumption that the, that the, uh, um, that the charm was now gone. So well, how did they know that? Did, did, does, did Dumbledore keep some sort of monitor in Godric's Hollow just watching around just in case any houses suddenly blew up? Well, no. Think about it. Do we have any evidence mm-hmm. to say that the Fidelius was the only magical defense system they had set up at this place? I mean, Grimmauld well, no. Place has no. unplottables and all these other things. Yeah. And couldn't Dumbledore have put yeah. together other sure. charms other that would have went off if something happens yeah. to the structure or anybody inside of it? Or the cloak or something, like we were talking the other night about the cloak. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point, John. Very good. Well, my or, question. Another thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, Voldemort's coming in the door. Harry, or excuse me, James is holding him off at the door. Does Lily turn around and fire off her Patronus to send a message to Dumbledore? Oh, sure. Saying he's yeah, here. We're not yeah. going to make it. What can you do? Or you know, help us something. Help I mean, it. we know that the members of the order communicate with their with their Patronuses. Mm-hmm. I never understood so how that a, worked. Did Lily fire off her Patronus just before? Wow! If she was Voldemort able to fire off door. something that stems from a happy thought at that moment, I think quite a lot of her. Well, she's a talented. Yeah, witch, I know, but, but still, at that moment, it had to be pretty hard. You don't think how she would it? cry out for help? No, I think that it would be pretty hard to produce a, a, a Patronus when the the person you fear the most, who's going to hurt you and your child, is coming through the door. It's a Patronus, yeah. you know. Yes, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just, I'm just expressing no, that if that no, is the I, case. I see what you're saying, I'm just, but I I'm think just that, expressing that if that is the case, yeah. she is quite. I, magical. I agree with you. I, if, if casting a Patronus for them took the same sort of massive effort that it took yeah. for Harry when he was first learning. No, 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 it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. But I think that they, they can switch that on and no, off no, no, listen, after a while. If I could finish, listen to me for a second. It doesn't. But even at even it's second nature to Harry now still, but it still does stem from a happy thought. Book five, he looks at Umbridge, imagines her getting sacked, and his big Patronus shows up. It still has to have that spark, otherwise otherwise what what's the spell? It's just something you learn and then you don't have to have that happy thought anymore. The whole point of the Patronus is that that's where it stems from. So if it doesn't have that, it's not a Patronus. So while it may be easier to do it as you get older and better or whatever, you still have, and I'm just making, it's just, it's just an observation on my point mm-hmm. that if, you know, okay, yeah. I think, I think that, that wizards and witches of this caliber who are in the order and even arguably who are death eaters have the capability to, to have the presence of mind to put themselves in whatever presence of mind they need to be, or else they wouldn't rely on such a spell to communicate with each other. The converse of a Patronus that we know of for the bad guys are all their unforgivables. And if Snape is able to put, you know, whatever unforgivable Avada Kedavra on Dumbledore, a spell that mm, needs mm-mm. real hate mm-hmm. or want to destroy. I have no problem. And he doesn't want to really mm. hurt Dumbledore. He knows he has to. He can pull... Right. Whatever, whatever emotion he has to I have absolutely no problem of mind. I have absolutely no problem believing that at any given moment at any given moment any death eater can summon the hate need, needed to do an unforgivable the, 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 the analogy doesn't hold up you're talking I'm talking about the moment that that the person 
coming to kill you and your child is walking through the door and your biggest fears are being realized. I'm talking how remarkable it is that somebody can put themselves in the presence of mind to summon a happy thought. You're talking about a Death Eater casting an unforgivable. Gee, hard. You know what? You, you know, know, I'm going to say this as a parent. When you have this, though, there is nothing I would do to save my child. I would stop at anything. If that meant that I had to, to, to summon my patronus, just like Harry did to help save Sirius there, and that moment of fear, I would what, do what? that. If I knew that, mm-hmm. that I knew that choice, that, that was my only step. Well, I, I know, have no choice. To some extent, yeah. it doesn't really matter. When my point more than anything was that Lily herself could have made right. some sort of yeah. effort to signal, and and whether yeah. it was a Patronus or not is not really the the key yeah. point. It's just, um, just an observation, you know, guys. Jeez, we went on this whole tangent. Well, no, it's a good it's a good thought though. We're I mean, trying good, to figure out how how Hagrid and Dumbledore and so could have known. Well, that may have been yeah. another option. Do we yeah. do we know? If if when because the secret keeper thing is somehow wrapped up specifically with the Potters, could they break it? No, the sec- no, Joe. No, guys. Yeah, I, guys. I, 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 think I think you're. She said, we, no, I think she said <laughs> no. Research. It's it's right there. Even unless, of course, the secret keeper chose to divulge it. Even the people who are under the spell. She says it on her website. They cannot break it. Who? So well, I, think, I still go back I think to it's the tied up in the structure. Well, here's another question. Somebody mentioned this on our on our comments, and it's something that I've been tossing around uh, today. Did Pettigrew write it down? Could anybody have looked at the piece of paper that Harry looked at in book five and seen the location of the hmm. Grimald place? Is the wording yeah, so. chose to divulge it or divulge it? Does it have to be a conscious decision for the, the secret keeper? Yes, but it doesn't say chooses to divulge it to that particular person. So Dumbledore wasn't well, present to- when Harry was told, yet Harry was right. told. Well, if he left it laying around, then he didn't choose for someone to find it. They found it on their own. But he own. did choose to divulge it because he wrote it down. He could write it down because he wanted to remember it. That's... No, when you write it down, you're divulging it. Like, that's it. Okay, there's still a problem with that, though, in the fact that if he did write it down, why would anyone, including Dumbledore, have thought to go and ask him about it since nobody knew he was a secret keeper or have, have looked for something he wrote down? And if they would have found it that he had written down, then wouldn't they have known then that he was the secret keeper and not Sirius Black? And that yeah, fact exactly. wasn't made known for years until years afterwards. Yeah. Exactly. So even if, you know, I, I, I think we run into the same thing as the idea that, they, you know, that we were talking about earlier, that it's, if you don't know that Peter Gru, Pettigrew is the, is the secret keeper, then none of those kinds of things are really going to be likely to have happened. So is this something that Joe's going to explain, or is this a flint? Thanks, a flint. We should explain for new people what a flint is. Yes. Um, a flint is a when small... When did you make up this word? No, it's been around in the fandom for a while. Oh my goodness, flint, yes, for a long time. A flint is a... about 2000. Yeah, a flint is a, a word that refers to like a small kind of error that Joe has sort of gone back and maybe explained, maybe not. It stems from the fact that Marcus Flint is said to be a seventh year oh, okay, in the second book and then that. he's in the third book, so they so she, they, she got asked about it and she said, oh, he had to repeat a year. So errors like that um, and little incon- incontinuity things like that have been referred to as flints. Right, and that, that particular one has now been fixed in the current version of the text. Well, there's, there's so. a hundred different ways she could creatively c- explain yeah. how all this happened without saying, oh, my bad. I don't know. This is a, this she, is, this is a, little, bit, this is a little bit trapped in a corner, wet paint kind of thing. Well, she can always ex- oh, further explain the Fidelis mm-hmm. charm and say, just like, you know, it's set to protect the location. Location's destroyed. There's no location to protect. Therefore, yeah. right. the property that the location was I think was that that's the found. most likely yeah, uh, well. solution yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. I do too. Is that the, when, the, when the house was destroyed, the, the, the secret was out. Think about it this yeah. way. Why 
why in the in this in the story did she decide that the house had to be destroyed? <laughs> Maybe exactly. to that's true. That might be you know? it. Yeah. Yeah. She might I mean, like, why else? Like, I mean, there's the, the, a spell like that shouldn't have been able to destroy a house. Yeah. But she probably decided, well, it's going to have to in this case because we got to get right. Harry they're out they're of hiding there. at the house. Yeah. And they have to, you know, they have to not and be of hiding I still at the house. Have the anymore. problem of a of a you know yeah. a, a small one year old baby in the house as it gets destroyed, and what are you going to find? I'm not so sure you're going to find a sleeping little child in that mess, yeah. you know, if a whole house is destroyed. A magical so. backlash. Well, so what always interests me, and this is a different question, so we shouldn't probably go too far into it, is that Hagrid yeah. says that the muggles were just starting to mill around, mm-hmm. which suggests that it's directly after all this occurred, right. or there was some sort of protection blocking the muggles from seeing it for a certain period. Of time. Anyway, this is another canon conundrum, so... I think it's time for final wrap-ups, guys. We need to do final thoughts. The final thoughts. Who wants to start? Well, I will. Um, I, I, you know, going into it, I hadn't hadn't thought about this, but the idea that the house, um, that the that the charm actually is kind of tied to the house itself, the location, and then when the location was destroyed, it basically broke the charm. That really makes sense to me, especially when I think now at the end when we were talking that the idea that the that why was the house destroyed? Why did Joe mm-hmm. add that to the story? I think it makes sense that she wanted, she had to find a way for the for the secret to be revealed. So that's that's what I think. Are we all going to agree here? So Steve likes yeah. uh, Sue's theory. I like Sue's yeah. theory. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I like I, Sue's <laughs> theory. Okay. Are we going to actually we all agree? Can we, can we put on the Canon Conundrum poll just one thing to vote on? <laughs> I think so. I <laughs> this know. theory, this theory or something else. That'll be the poll. This theory or something so else. Let's, let's, okay, so. oh, I want to add my bits about... Okay. And not really my bits, but just the idea that there was far more than just a Fidelius on this house. And mm-hmm. one of those things, any one of those things could have alerted the Dumbledore mm-hmm. that something failed something that he put together had failed and he would know about it that way and know to send help to that place. So why he wouldn't come himself immediately is beyond me unless he thought yeah. he was needed elsewhere. So next time on Canon Conundrums, we're going to uh, tackle a very, very interesting question. Uh, and the question which uh, we're going to tackle is where did uh, Snape and Draco Malfoy go at the end of the battle uh, at the end of book six, after they apparated away from the outside of Hogwarts, where did they go to? So we'll talk about that. We'll try to figure out what's going on uh, with all the Death Eaters, and we'll take care of that next time. Uh, the mail time! Mail time! Oh, great. Thanks. And it's mail time! Mail time! Ooh! Mail time. Ooh. Do you hear all those? Melissa. Oh, wait. Wait. That wasn't. What was so, that? Oh, we got some friends for the mailbag. I think so. We have our, our, our mailbag cores here. Who could it be? Well, well of course, for, if it's mailbag time, <laughs> we, have to, we have to have a special K. That's right. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? It's Kristen Yay! Yay, Kristen. <laughs> the leaky liaison. There she is. That's me. But that's Anna's not all. the question. Uh, no, I, I hear I hear someone else. I do too. Who could that be? <gasps> That's not <laughs> Lady D, is it? Oh no, yes, it's me. It's Doris. Hi. <laughs> it's Doris. Who hey, the bloody Yes, it's Doris. <laughs> who's Doris? Now, who's Jamie? I, I wish I could do a British accent, but I can't. Uh, I'm the bloody Alice Doris. <laughs> oh, I think that little uh, that little Texan uh, thing <laughs> gives it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, 
We haven't done this in a while, have we? No, no. I know. It's been months. Yeah, it has been a I while. I can't remember when the last mailbag was, because we've had the Philcast, and then before that, we just hadn't had it, then... Well, um, well, there's so much going on the last, you know, six months. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's been. We have been kind oh, of busy. Th- yes, just a tad. <laughs> doing all, all kinds of stuff, but w- what that means is that there's hundreds and hundreds of voicemails to wade through, and we're going to try to get through about sixty-two of them tonight. So we're going to have to go up pretty oh, fast, and or or we can get through a handful. But let's just get started with uh, the first one. We'll see how many we get in. Okay. Hi, Pottercast. This is Julie from the Leaky, uh, Mina from the Leaky Lounge. And I just wanted to say that I was just listening to Pottercast 27, and there are actually quite a few other people at Hogwarts who aren't uh, teachers. Madam Pomfrey uh, and Madam Pence, for, t- for a couple examples. I just wanted to give a shout out to y'all and to my, uh, to my fellow elves. Love y'all, elves. Y'all rock. And I will talk to y'all later. Bye. Yay, elves. Elves rock. Yes, they yeah, do. Yeah, elves. Oh, the elves. <laughs> the elves are I've great. Already, I've already talked so much about you this week. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> I have to emphasize again how much I love the elves. We do love the elves. And how, how, how beautiful their filk was that played at the beginning of the show this week. Yeah. It's well, they, they are awesome. Song. Yes. Uh, it's good stuff. Many talents. Many but, talents. Um, but you are right. There are more teachers at Hogwarts that, uh, that, uh, what was it? Well, there about? are adults at Hogwarts who are not teachers. That aren't teachers. Yeah. That's right. Right. Cool. Well, speaking of, um, adults, mm-hmm. let's set up another uh-huh. question here. Hey, Pottercast. This is Kate from Pittsburgh. I had a question about the women of the Harry Potter universe. Do we know if any of the adult women who are married actually work? Because Mrs. Weasley doesn't work. It doesn't seem like Mrs. Malfoy works. And it doesn't seem like any of the teachers at Hogwarts are married. So, do we know if married women in the wizarding world actually do work? And if they don't, do you think this, that this is a problem? Um, and sending kind of a bad message to all the female fans of the books. Thanks very much. Bye. Okay. I, can I make a little comment? Kate, if you have six kids... You work. You may not yeah. get money for it, but you're working your <laughs> yeah. butt off. Yeah, can you imagine feeding all those kids? Oh my god! Oh Even my god. with magic, I didn't didn't Joe say at some point that the Weasleys just can't make food from nothing? Like she actually has to go buy the stuff that the food's made of. So I think because yeah. we know we know Shoot. she has a garden, so I mean she's got to be out doing some of that kind of thing, and she's got to go grocery mm-hmm. shopping. She doesn't have a house elf. So, yeah, you know. This is true. Yeah, she's working her tail off. Yeah. I think Joe somewhere, I don't, I can't remember if it was on her website or maybe it was in one of the chats, said something too about that we'd find out more about the married lives, about the professors. So we don't know if if McGonagall was ever married, you know, or some of the other. That's true. That's a good point. You know, so I, I just don't, I can't say I so I disagree with that question that none of them are married because I think that Joe has actually said that the, we just don't know that. I mean, you can't say that they aren't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, for all for all we know, Dumbledore could have been married at some point. Yeah. yeah but, you know, wouldn't you like to have seen Dumbledore and McGonagall married? <laughs> Maybe they were. Maybe they There's a, were the a whole of, time. Yeah. A lot of fan fiction out there. Yeah. 
That is a really good question, though. Yeah, it really is. And that, and I agree. I mean, we don't know if like somebody like Madame Mulkins or was was married or Rose Merritt, you know, if they're married. I, I guess I'm assuming Rose Merritt is not, but I, I don't... No, she gets around, Rose Murdo. <laughs> right. She's not, no it, one's tying her down. It is an interesting question. Is this some? Is this a place where Joe has kind of let us down, where she hasn't really given us an example of a career woman who has a family and, you know, not to get all feminist on you all, but th- this is intriguing. It is quite intriguing. It does seem like, mm-hmm. yeah, it does seem like there's either you got the family or you got the job, but you don't have both. You know, I, I think that Joe would, would probably say that, that women like Mrs. Weasley, and, and I mean, there are other mm-hmm. women that could be examples, but they have jobs in that they work for the order. They may not yeah. have a job where they're getting paid, oh, yeah. but yeah. she works for the order. So in a way, she's doing something sort of higher, a higher calling. She may not be getting paid for it, but she yeah. is doing that. I agree. That's an excellent Yeah, point. and that's a good Certainly. point. Yeah. And I, I think still, that it's... they probably had jobs... Before, you know, they had kids or before they got married where they were actually out getting paid. But, you know, you get to a point where maybe it's just easier to stay home and. Well, but, you know, but look at Alice, like you were saying, like Alice Longbottom and and Lily Evans Potter. You know, they both had children and they were in the order. So and then. Well, they were, you know, Longbottom was an order, wasn't she? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah both of you. Yeah. So she's obviously. Uh, they were married. Yeah. yeah. So she actually had a job. She worked for the ministry. Yeah. I mean, look at it. Look at it. You know, the other way too. It's like um, all of the Hogwarts graduates. There's such an emphasis on taking the owls, and so many owls, uh, and so many nudes equal so many different job opportunities. And there's there's an equal stress for the male and female students for to achieve the success in the school, tied to what career opportunities you have and there's 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 no mention of you know any home ec classes or anything certainly so it's not like you figured that well if you want to get married you gotta you have to know all these things because you're not gonna you know you're not looking to be in the workforce necessarily is i i don't see any evidence of that at all right right Hmm. i don't know it's interesting i i'd i'd kind of like to see it really is yeah it would be a good question for joe yeah it was I it's think she'd like that question. I do too, yeah, Joe. Um, if you're too. listening, just answer that for us. Do yes. do married women have jobs, please? You could call in. John will give you the number. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can. I can. I can picture Joe hopping off the treadmill that she listens to podcast with her MP3 player on and <laughs> hopping to her laptop right this very instant. Mm-hmm. Go, Joe, go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, she and Melissa are tight. She'll just call. She'll just call Mel and tell her the answer. Yeah. Pretty much. I think that's where Melissa is right now. I think, you know, yeah. uh, Joe was having a sleepover. Is, I'm sure, sitting on the sofa with her bonbons and her martini and um, kick back talking to Joe when they're just giggling. Yeah. Playing with Mooch. Yeah. Joe, you want to believe what Moochka did this morning? She hid my phone under the bed. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, move, moving oh, on yes. <laughs> before I get in trouble. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matthew from California, and I just had a quick question. Um, I wanted to know if you thought that it was possible if Petunia um, gave Vernon a love potion to make him fall in love with her. Just wanted to hear what you say. Love the show. Bye. Ew, gross. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry. Intriguing question. Intriguing question. Very intriguing question. But the thought of it makes me... Ugh. <laughs> well, to Why be honest, you... <laughs> I don't know if the thought of that is worse than the fact that they just fell in love on their own with no outside assistance. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty gross, That's too. <laughs> but well, why would she I pick mean, how him? Many... Like, if you're going to give someone a love potion, exactly. would she be the guy? <laughs> no. Like, oh, I just got this this brand new love potion. Who should I give it to? <laughs> Scan the room. Hey, this guy looks intriguing. <laughs> I'm going to give it to this guy and make a baby with him. Well, that would suggest that there was a particular reason she had for picking him out. Like somehow he, there was something about him that, I mean, that's like a whole nother level there. I don't know that, Pacina doesn't strike me as that deep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, answer me this, though. Uh, Obviously, Vernon, um, from how we've known him, the earliest we've known him, he's had uh, an 11-year-old son himself so thinking traditionally he's you know at least 11 or so years into his marriage uh are are men 10 years or so into their marriages usually the same kind of guys they were when they got married Mm. Uh, you'd think maybe he let himself go a little bit no one no one in Mm. 10 years is the same person they were 10 years ago yeah Yeah. well he probably you know he may have men had an uh Athletic build, cared more about himself oh, and his health. Maybe he let himself go. You know, I think he was just like his son. That twinkle in his eye. You know what? I always thought that they might have met like when they were like bowling or something. Because like Petunia just strikes me as like the you know <laughs> the bowler. Yeah, bowler. I mean, I just think like, com- compulsive bowlers. <laughs> See, I don't think she'd be a bowler because I don't think she'd put her feet in the shoes. Oh, I guess that's a good oh, point. Oh, this is true. <laughs> yeah. I picture her having huge feet. <laughs> yeah. Don't long, you think Petunia has feet. huge, long, skinny feet? Yeah, she does. You know, Smell from we're going to have like... She's like the, like the witch and the Wizard of Oz that couldn't fit the shoes into the red slippers. They were too long and skinny. Mm-hmm. We're going to have bowlers call up and yell at us. We're going to no. have people with big feet <laughs> call up and yell at us. Kristen, you answer the email. Just to- <laughs> okay. Just to clarify, yeah. we love bowling. Yes, we, we do. Love yeah. large feet. But I'm just saying like a ball. normal, <laughs> typical muggle thing, because like Petunia, you know, like turned away from all the, you know, and I just was trying to think, yeah. how would she actually meet someone like Vernon? You know, I mean, they, they don't, they're not like country club yeah. types. They're like, you know, but I don't know. That'd be another great question for Joe. <laughs> yeah. I think she'd just look at you for, for like a good five seconds and figure out, why are you asking me this? <laughs> and then she'd right. have to come up on the fly with a story yeah. about how Petunia met Vernon. And it'd be a darn entertaining, Yes, too. it would. I can yes, it would. It really makes you hold out hope for that encyclopedia if she ever goes into every single character that she's ever written. Oh, about. that would be great. That would be just the best. It would. Uh, but that, it could would you be. imagine? You know, again, intriguing question. Mm-hmm. Or entertaining yeah, question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and where would she get the love potion? Why would would Lily exactly, have a love potion which, lying around? Which brings up the whole other level of, you know, yeah. what's going on with her. Well, and Lily was just, Lily know. was good at potions, so you know if she this wanted something, she just had right. to ask her sister to hook her up. Exactly. Would, Maybe yeah. they were close yeah. back then. Yeah, I just Maybe they were cool don't. enough with each other that sure I'll make you a potion. Petunia, <laughs> what do you want? You want longer hair? You want to fill out your bathing suit a little bit? I'll make you a potion. <laughs> John. Straight, John. straight quick. <laughs> oh man, I just don't see you know. Her having one to do anything. <laughs> Would you think... No, this is kind of like a tangent question, but do you actually think that those two were ever close? Lily and Petunia. 
I think it'd be more interesting if they were at one point. And then yeah, it would be. Out. Yeah. I, see, I, I, in, in my little heart of hearts, I want to think that they were really good friends. And this is all a facade that Petunia has had to put on all these years just to protect Harry. And in the end, yes. I think she's wouldn't that be wouldn't that be like the love conquers all? Wouldn't that just fit with that? She made a choice, and her choice was to, you know, live this like horrid life because that's she really loved Harry. Yeah, that's that's sort of my you know my dream, but it won't happen. Yeah, yeah but she, they were just well. She did she did appear oddly flushed when Dumbledore said he wouldn't be returning to that house, but one more time and. That could be her regretting. Oh, this yeah, is my last time point. with this kid. Oh, man, hmm. I really you know, was a mean lady. I still think I she was like flushed because she was guilty. She felt guilty. Yeah. Or she had a sudden indigestion. <laughs> yeah. <fit. laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's possible. Wouldn't that be too. such a uh, like a letdown <laughs> at the very end? It's like, oh, but Petuna, you look so flushed when I left. Oh, I you know I just had bad you know dinner previously. <laughs> Only you, uh, John. Such, thanks. Yeah. It was such a letdown. <laughs> I can't believe uh, that Joe hasn't asked you to help her plot things, John. I, I mean, she I, oh, with, you're so with good my at mind, with my imagination, I tell you, <laughs> Melissa, I can just see her now. Well, the, the, the martini yeah. has been down. <laughs> yeah. She's standing oh, yeah. up, looking Melissa at the screen. The I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm not letting them loose again. No, those yeah. four are never going to talk together again. <laughs> Well, speaking of imagination, mm-hmm. we have another fun voicemail. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey, guys. This is Paige, also known as Sly Page on the Lounge. A couple nights ago, I was up listening to Pottercast, and I started thinking about Voldemort. There was one thing about him that kept me up for about an hour, so I thought I would ask you. Do you think Voldemort sleeps at night? And if so, what kind of pajamas does he wear? Thanks. Oh, Paige. Oh, there are so many good answers for this. Oh Paige, Paige, honey, you, you you need some serious help. And I want to know why she stayed up for an hour afterwards. <laughs> oh. She's probably drawing pictures. Oh, of, of Ray, Rafe, and Ralph and their sleepover. Now that's, <laughs> yeah. there we go. Nice. Okay, uh, does he, first of all, does he sleep at night? Hmm. Yeah, he sleeps um, at night. Yeah. Uh, any human has to sleep at night. Yeah. Is Even if really it's a human, mutant form, kind of mutant. a hybrid. Yeah, he's a blob kind you know, of regenerated he, blob, but he's he had to sleep. Yeah, and he if he could though, he could not need as much rest as other people though. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting because he's he's kind of part reptile almost. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean maybe he goes a week at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And maybe he's exhausted all the time, but he doesn't. He can't risk, you know, sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what does he wear? What do we think he wears? Oh, he wears a silk peignoir that is has lace around. It's lovely. <laughs> I've never heard of a peignoir. It's it's like a very 1940s long flowy nightgown that like Doris Day wore in all those movies. That's oh. not 40s. Sorry, that's what 60s. But oh, but do you think he is particularly proud of this body? No. Obviously, oh, it's better than what he was after Godric's Hollow. But, well, I don't see him hitting the I gym, mean, you know? I, he doesn't strike me as running on the treadmill, working out, you know, doing doing the ab flex kind of he thing. He doesn't you have know? to. I mean, he just takes the right potion. I mean, true. ripped fuel takes on a whole new... True. Yeah. Now, why doesn't he use a glamour potion? Then? Uh, he could probably make himself look just like he used to with a glamour potion. You think he's just not vain enough for that? I don't think that matters to him. Well... <laughs> I think the magic, I think the magic that keeps him alive, it's so intense that I don't know that it would have any effect. It's true. I mean, it, 
I can't imagine he wouldn't care, not from a vanity standpoint, but from a, oh, but you know what? Maybe he totally digs the way he looks because it's scary as hell, and he uses it as an intimidation thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's really interesting because wasn't Tom Riddle always described as being handsome yet pale? It, yeah. yeah, he was. You know? yes. Very strikingly handsome. You know, so maybe mm-hmm. he did take pride in himself when he was younger, you know, and how how he groomed himself and, and look. So maybe, I don't you know. Or, you know, he hates he hates so much that has to do with his father. And I'm sure he looked yeah. like his father. So he may, yeah. it may not matter to him that he looks the way he does because he doesn't want to look like you know, the muggle father. I don't know. That's true, too. Maybe he didn't like being handsome. But I always... Do you guys think... Yeah. Go ahead, John. Do, do you guys think that for when uh, the sixth film comes along, they're going to predominantly use um, trying to de-age um, uh, fines, or are they going to put uh, uh, Kristen Kidd back in there and try oh. to age him further? I think they'll... If they I cast Coulson back in again, I think they'll age him a little further. Yeah. I mean, they could probably use both. I mean, they would use both. Yeah. But wait, Voldemort wasn't really even in. No, no, no it, it was. It's mostly not to the very. Yeah, it was mostly young, young Voldemort. Well, it would, would be him if he's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry mm. to derail you guys. I was curious. About but, okay, that. so do we have a consensus on the color of his his sleeping attire? <laughs> Maybe green. Hello. Green. Oh yeah. He's a Slytherin. <laughs> All right. That's an excellent mailbag. Wrapping things up here. I'm John Noe. I'm Kristen Brown. I'm Doris Herman. And I'm Sue. <laughs> and we're Sue, and we're off to the wrap-up. Thank you very much, Kristen and Doris. You guys have yes. a great night. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. And it's the end. Oh, it's the end. Oh, it's the end. Don't take my line. That's the thing I say. I know, it's, it's it's the new, that's the best 59 we've ever done. Oh, oh you take like, all of my lines? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just too fast this week, you gotta catch bruising me. Bruising for a dang bruising, lady. I'm fast as a ghost. Yeah. Taking oh, all John's man. jokes. Hey, John, are, Bad you, are you gonna be there for Halloween this year? Because I put up all my decorations already, I know. Shock. I don't be, even have. I'm gonna be dollish the ghost. I don't have a costume this year, guys. What? Ah. Uh. I'll have to be Rita again. Oh, you were a fab Rita. Rita, I have to say. <laughs> I was Rita last year. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. So yeah, I'm going to go as a Hufflepuff. I know you're all shocked by that news, but I'm going to wear my... A oh, Hufflepuff? I know. You know what I really wanted to dress up as? Lucy Ricardo. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, you got <laughs> some splaining to do. I'm actually going... I'm doing a, a reporting on a chocolate factory on Monday. Ooh, Are you for real? I keep telling them that I'm going to I'm gonna run in the back and do a Lucy thing. <laughs> It'll be funny. Mm. We have some business to attend to. Our blogging challenge, which, guys, it's slowing down. You guys better get blogging. Yeah. You're, you're letting the, you're letting the field know. clear for new winners. Uh, bad news. Oh. To remind you, the podcast blog challenge. You blog about us. You show your. You show our banners. You show our. You play our. Use our player. We will find you. Sort of like having a bumper sticker on your car. We will find and you. Kill and you. Reward and <laughs> reward you. Oh, I thought we were killing them. No, we will reward the best oh. entries, layouts, graphics, whatever. How, who had the most fun with it? Who, you know, whatever. We don't know. We don't Maybe know. Maybe that's exactly why they've been for, slowing down. We'll when we see it. Why? They thought they were going to be killed. No. Well, now they'll slow down. Thanks, John. <laughs> Way to terrify oh, the audience. See, Good job. 
Well, no, they're not going to be killed. Therefore, the, the blogs will pick up again. Okay. okay. Okay, so then this week's blog challenge, go ahead and um, head on over to the Yahoo podcast directory and vote and comment for Pottercast. And then head on back to your blogs and tell us how it went and what you said, and we'll find them like we always do. The other part of the challenge... Yeah. Friend us on MySpace. Mm-hmm. Let us know that you've put us in your top friends. Your space, and MySpace, we will give you we'll a shout out. MySpace. We also have a Facebook, Facebook that you should go Facebook. and sign up for. There's a, there's a now a link on Pottercast called Pottercast Fans. All the way, all the different ways. We got a Facebook. We got a Frapper. We got a MySpace. We got a YouTube. We got a Bebo. We got. A, we should have a Bebo. Let's do a Bebo. We, what the heck? Let's have everything. What the hell's a Bebo? I don't know. I honestly don't, don't know. So, anyway, surprise. <laughs> if you let us know that you friended us on MySpace, we'll give you a shout-out list. So, John, why don't you do the honors this week and let us know who has friended us. Where's the friends list? Is it on the thing? Yeah. That's a lot of names. How should I do this? Thanks to the lovely Lizzie. Who put Madeline, Mandy, Aaron, and... John, could you maybe make this a little Oh, you do it faster? Yeah, uh, do it a little faster. Speed it up. Okay. Tempo. Tempo. <laughs> We've got Madeline, Mandy, and Aaron, and M, and Lil's, and Sam, the Harry Potter geek, and got my dollars, but they all look like sneakers, and Emma, the future minister of magic. We've got Petfoot, and Looney, Luna, and Janine, and Miss Harry Fan, and Jenna Marie, and Mary Popeye, and Shannon, and Alex, and Anderson, Jack, and Christian, Filk, 258 Potter. We've got Belly from Michigan, and Ruth, and Isabel, and Mary Me, and April, I'm obsessed with Harry Potter, and Evil Testita, and Gonzo, and Will, and Gwendoline, Mary, and Jake, and David. We've got Marisha and Andy Rukarastarius and Taya. Taya pronounced Taya and Hedy and Dobby Love Socks and Samantha and Proma and Athena and Xander and Mouse and Morgan Kyla. We've got Peter the Echo and Thomas and Pam, Crimson Locks, Rachel Bubbles and Dance in the Shower to Wizard Rock and Kelly and Fox and Amber and Megan and Ash and Bess and Rosie and Mark and the Wicked. We've also got Becca and Nugent, Stephen, Gypsy and Lindsay and Elizabeth and Computer Man and Psych and Eskoff G and Dirty Hash Browns and Belgian and an intelligible, unintelligible name with a D and Molly and Jackie and Lauren and Pema and Faye and Sammy and Angela Music and Jesse and Haley and Lizzie, Math, Mary and Mick Frosty, Danny and Jenny and Will again and Krista and Sarah and Audrey and Frack. Frack! <laughs> Yay! That was good. Oh my goodness! Wow. That was very. That was unrehearsed. That was awesome. Yeah, that was unrehearsed. Actually, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm. Uh. I'm pretty. Im- <laughs> Let's save that for <laughs> the restriction well, section. Dot org. What announcement regarding that to make? Last week when we did okay. the shout outs, we ran through them, and I'm sure that while John has mangled many of the names and will not get. In trouble for it. I mangled one name and I got in trouble for it. I said Lee Aww. and it's Leah. <laughs> Leah. It's Leah. Leah. How it's, dare I'm sorry, you. Lee. It's Leah. She goes at the the lone pigeon. LiveJournal.com. You, you, you people think that I'm not reading these blogs. This girl posted really sort of upset that I had mangled her name the same way I get upset when you don't capitalize the C. And I went and I. And I said, oh, my God, I'm sorry. And then somebody, I think it was Andy, who commented, like, okay, there's proof. They do read the blog. We do. We go and we read the blogs. So if you have mentioned Pottercast, and if I've read it, I have read We all do. Of, it. Let's put it that of way. course we read the blogs. 
No, I read it myself. Get, get the heck out of here. I read it myself. No, okay, we don't. Anyway, um, we have one, another, another <laughs> cool thing. Two cool things to talk about this week. I was on Amazon, right? I'm just messing around on Amazon. And for fun, I typed in Pottercast. You know how sometimes you type in just whatever just to see? And something came up. <laughs> We're in a book, guys. We're in a book. Pottercast is in a book. And, and do you know what it's called? It is called Tricks of the Podcasting Masters. Ooh. It's written awesome. by Rob Walsh and Mer Lafferty. <laughs> yes, 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 we are podcast masters. And then above that, it's in a chapter called What the Pros Are Doing. Whoa! Awesome. Pros? I feel like Pros. a Jedi. But it's written by this the, Mer Lafferty, is somebody who does a lot of podcasts, and this is in the science fiction community and around the Parsec Awards, and this is what they had to say. Podcast is the place... For news, interviews, discussion of the Harry Potter books and movies, and on-the-scene reporting when new movies and books come out. It's one of the few podcasts with a community of people behind it instead of just one or two people. Gathering a group of people to work on a topic that millions of people worldwide are passionate about is just one recipe for a good podcast. Like some of the other top podcasts, Pottercast took an an existing fan base, those of the Leaky Cauldron website, and turned them onto a podcast, their podcast as a matter of fact, with thousands of Harry Potter fans eagerly awaiting the next movie and book, Pottercast effortlessly takes those fans and gives them what they want, a weekly dose of Potter discussion. The podcast reads emails and plays audio clips of the fans' comments, which often spark lively discussion among the hosts. Cool. I don't know about effortless. I know. <laughs> well, the, the idea is that it seems effortless. Yeah. Oh, of course. It's seemingly quite effortless. <laughs> How cool. Well, who podcast masters are we? Oh my gosh! In our in our excitement over the blog challenge, we forgot to announce a new winner. The winner is her name is Kelsey. Kelsey, who wrote Kelsey. a very Kelsey wrote a Esma. funny thing about listening to Pottercast for Dummies, which amused me because of Mr. John Noe's Pottercasting for Dummies books. But she wrote a very funny thing. It has a whole list, very easy thing how to do it. But I liked her last thing. He says, "And if you're really desperate, and none of these ways have been sufficient, <laughs> download Mucklecast." Because they're sure to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Aww. Aww. That's funny, I have Aww. to say. It's funny. Because she goes through these whole things about get it on iTunes, do the player, direct download it, here's right. a million ways you can listen to it. Oh, and, and if you really and just can't do it, then yes. just get Mobilecast. I think it's adorable. Yeah. That's really cute. Mobilecast has a crush on Mobilecast. Yes. Aww. Aww. So, way to go, Kelsey. Rock on. on. Let us know. We'll you get your prize. Do all that, that good stuff. I was just about ready to give her the life-size Dobby, but Sharper Image is not Do you know star. they're down? They were down 80%. We could have gotten them for 100 bucks. I was totally going to buy a life-size oh, Dobby. $100. They're out of stock. Wow. I was going to buy like four of them and put them like in my sister's bedroom and just scare the living crap out of her. Can you imagine waking up to four Dobbies staring at you? <laughs> I was going to let one hold a hammer. I was going to let one hold like a saw. Hold like a mallet. Can give, you, can you give the other one like a like a hot dog, just to be totally. Like something confusing. that like Stephen King would come up with, John. No, it's it's like one of those zombie movies, like the Attack yeah. of the Killer with those bulging eyes and like the ostrich hands and like the little oh god. Yeah. Attack of and the Dobbies. Four Dobbies. It would be like Dobby is free and he's out to get you. <laughs> just like Chucky. I don't know about you guys. Like, Dobby is free and I'm out here. I would be most afraid of the one with the hot dog because the other ones, you know, the the hand tools is frightening. But what's the guy with the hot dog gonna do? Kill you with cholesterol. He's the, That's he's nice. He's the crazy nice. one. He's the he's the one you have to watch out for. Okay. Hey guys, this is a reminder. We're gonna be live at Phoenix Rising in May. 
Oh, that's Phoenix right. Rising. In the Big Easy, baby. Yep. The Big Easy. So make sure that if you're thinking about going to that conference in New, in New Orleans, you sign up. It's at the... Norlands. Norlands. I'm sorry. It's Norlands. <laughs> it's, um... I want to go to Emerald. It's good. I'll take you there. That's good. where the original Emeralds are. In New Orleans. Bam! Um, the website for that so that you can sign up for it Bam. is at thephoenixrises.org. So if Bam. you want to see a live Pottercast. Actually, we haven't, done, we Bam. haven't Bam. done a live Pottercast since Salem. Since the witching hour. Oh, yeah? Yeah? I didn't even get to go to Well, that, that wasn't really... That was, that was a, a technical joke. <laughs> I mean, it was a good podcast itself. We had a really good setup and we had a good thing. Chris Rankin Chris there? Rankin was there. Jeff from HPNA talked on it. But um, was he wearing his podcast shirt? He was. So, oh, Chris actually sent us a picture Ooh. of himself, or somebody sent us a picture of Chris wearing his yeah. podcast shirt, which I think is pretty cool. We'll put that on the Rock on Chris. Anyway, so yeah, that 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 one was like last October, and there were no speakers, and everybody sort of had a crash to hear. It was such a mess, and all you hear in the audio is yeah. clinking of dishes. And, oh, it was so bad. But hopefully, we'll have awesome. it. Awesome. Oh, it was terrible. We'll have a better audio set up. Favorites. <laughs> oh, real guys! What are we gonna do for all, just ourselves? Just us and the podcast crew. Be yeah, it'll oh. be fun. You guys need to all come down and so do the things and whatever it is that you do at the show. It's open to anyone who's registered. There's room for everybody who's registered, and you know, you should register. Go um, ahead and register. I'm sure it'll be a great conference. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah. in New Orleans. In New Orleans, man. And I'm doing a panel. I'm doing a keynote. Uh, presentation there as well. So look for that. Ooh, I can't wait to heckle you. Thanks, you? John. She doesn't know what she's talking about. You have to pay for the dinner, you know. Yeah, she lies. I'm going to sneak in with my, my in- invisibility uh, coat. <laughs> coat? Coat. I do have an invisibility coat. It is made coats. of the idea, brown the leather. The idea of you with an invisibility cloak is too worrisome. <laughs> I'd get in all yes, kinds of trouble. Yes, you could. Okay, guys, I think it's time to get out of here. Aww. Aww, it's the end. Well, I gotta say, of all of the Pottercast 50s we've done, this was the best in the 50s, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Because next week is Pottercast 60. We're all the people. We're old people. Are we old enough to go on Medicare now? It's 65, isn't it? Yeah. Just go. You're wasting time. Mm. Okay. We just confuse all of the Ock listeners. All the Ock listeners. Okay, that's our... That's our Anyway, let's. Can we leave? Aww. Aww. I confess myself disappointed. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah. Toby is free. Oh, and about time too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> Again, those those usernames is Skype username Pottercast or the phone number 702-42-LEAKY, which is 702-425-3259. Or in the UK, it's 0207-193-2872. Good sound effect for the phone calls. <laughs> Especially the part where she swears. There you go. Do, do us a favor uh, and don't forget the plus. <laughs> that was probably the plus police. The plus police are Miss Manelli. The plus police heard that. Uh, Blew it. You're busted. They heard that she forgot the plus and they called her to remind her that there was a plus. <laughs>
us police. Well, I can't even say it. Oh my god. Sorry, that's lost. Listen how flash, fast she talks. I know, it's most incredible. Only other New Yorkers can understand those <laughs> conversations. I think so. Everybody out there in Kansas are like, what? Mm-hmm. Slow down. Yeah, exactly, you got it back. <laughs> in clay's pork uh, before. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to record. Ew. Okay, it's important. <laughs> Okay, thanks. Hi, sorry. Okay, so <laughs> I can hear you guys laughing. One of my because I had one of my ripped on you. Yeah. 